I think we should put our hands together this morning as we just give thanks for our great God. He is mighty, He is awesome. You can grab a seat just where you are. I wanna add my welcome to you today. It's so great to have you sharing with us, particularly as we launch our church-wide series. To those linking in online as well, so great to have you sharing with us. And today we are kicking off this series, Teach Us to Pray, as we're looking at how Jesus taught His disciples to pray through the Lord's Prayer. I heard recently the following uh, prayer that someone prayed. They prayed these words. They said, Dear Lord, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish or overindulgent. And I'm really glad about that, God. But in a few minutes, God, I'm gonna get out of bed. And from then on, I'm probably gonna need a lot of help. Amen. I like that prayer. I think that is a a good prayer I can relate to. And the reality is we all need prayer in our lives because we all need God's help. And so I wanna say right up front that wherever you are on the journey of faith, this series that we're stepping into is for you. Uh, One theologian has said this, has said that the Lord's Prayer is simple enough to be memorised by small children and yet profound enough to sustain a whole lifetime of prayer, how true that is. And so if you're still exploring faith, watching online or here with us, well, I wanna let you know that you're so welcome. We're so glad you're here. And this series is gonna be a real help and blessing for you. On the other hand, if you've been on the journey of faith for your whole life, if you spent a lifetime of praying, this series is also for you because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to lead us into deeper intimacy in our relationship with Him. In the coming weeks, He wants to do this for all of us and He wants to reveal more of His power and presence to us as His people. And so the title of this series, Teach Us to Pray, actually comes from the introduction to the Lord's Prayer from Luke 11. And it says it like this in Luke 11 verse one. It says, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place and when He finished, one of His disciples said to Him, Lord, teach us to pray. And what is fascinating about this request is that it wasn't the disciples were unfamiliar with prayer or had never prayed before. Having grown up in the Jewish religion, they would have memorized prayers from when they were young children. They would have prayed regularly throughout the day as part of their daily routine. So you have to ask the question, well, why then are you asking Jesus to teach them to pray? Well, clearly it's because when they watched Jesus pray, they saw something different. There was something about His prayer life that was compelling for them. They saw this intimacy of relationship that He had with His heavenly Father. They saw the power of God at work as He prayed. Something changed, something took place and it was compelling and they wanted to have what He had. There was the famous preacher D.L. Moody who said, I'd rather be able to pray then be a great preacher. Jesus Christ never taught His disciples how to preach, but only how to pray. That's so true, isn't it? And from the perspective of the disciples, they never asked God to teach them, never asked Jesus to teach them how to preach. Even though He's a great preacher, they never asked Him how to do miracles, but they asked Jesus to teach them to pray because they can see that this is central to everything else in Jesus' life and, and His ministry. And so the goal of this series, right up front, I wanna let you know, the goal of this series is that we would allow Jesus to teach us to pray, just as He taught His disciples to pray. 
because we wanna know more of what it means to have that deep, intimate relationship with our heavenly Father. We wanna know more of His power and presence at work in our lives individually, in our own situations and circumstances. In our church here, we long to know more of that. And so that the blessing would flow out into our community, our city, our world is our prayer as a church. When we look at the Bible talking about prayer, we're encouraged in 1 Thessalonians 5 to pray without ceasing. In Romans 12, we're said to be constant in prayer. In Ephesians 6, we're told to pray at all times. And we can read these passages and think, wow, this is a bit daunting. I don't know if this is possible to pray like this for ordinary people like you and me. Is, is this really possible? And so for many of us, I realise that when it comes to the topic of prayer, there are different responses that we might be having this morning. For some tuning in today, some here in the service, you might be thinking, well, I'm not even sure if God even hears us when we pray. Does it really do anything at all? Maybe that's where you're at this morning as you come and link in. For some of us, we just find prayer really challenging because we get distracted when we pray. Do you ever find that when you're praying sometimes? For others, it can be unanswered prayer, which has maybe occurred somewhere along the journey and for you, it's become this big obstacle, this block for you in being able to go to God in prayer. For some of us, we feel uncomfortable praying out loud because we're not sure what the right words to say are or what the right way to pray is. For some of us, we can feel unworthy coming to God in prayer. There is guilt or sin or shame that's holding us back from coming to God in prayer. For others, others of us, we're just finding it hard to find the time to pray in the midst of the business and, and the pressures of life. What well, I say to you this morning, that if any of these relate to you, then you're in the right place. This series is for you because we're gonna be looking at these different aspects of prayer right across this series. And I wanna encourage you, if you're not in a group yet, to link in as we're gonna look through the Lord's Prayer here in our services and then follow the prayer course material in our connect groups. And so with this in mind, let's jump in. We're gonna turn to the Lord's Prayer. It's found in two of the Gospels, in Luke and in Matthew. And this morning, I wanna look at the Matthew 6 version of this, particularly the, the introduction and the context that Jesus gives us here. And we're gonna follow along together. Um, if you've got your Bible or device here, you might wanna follow along. And when we come to the actual Lord's Prayer, I wanna invite you to pray. We're gonna pray it corporately together at the start of this series. Now, I'm reading from the NIV, which might help us when we come to the Lord's Prayer, because I know there's a few different versions of this prayer. So if we all get on the NIV, that might help us this morning. It might come up on the screen behind. I know the guy's having a bit of technical difficulty this morning, but let me read this to you. Matthew 6 from verse five, and it says this. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans for they, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Will you pray with me? Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts 
as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. This is God's word to us this morning. One of the first things we see here in this introduction is that prayer is a rather universal thing. Research has shown that uh, for all of us, we pray in some way at some time, even if we're not sure who we're praying to, or even if we're not sure even if God exists, people, it's just hardwired into us, find themselves praying. I read a news article last year from the Sydney Morning Herald titled, Australians Praying More During COVID. In the article, it said this, it said, churches may have closed their doors, but more Australians are opening their minds to spirituality and to prayer. Researchers have found Australians say they have been praying more during the COVID-19 crisis, suggesting the pandemic has led many to reassess their priorities in life. But it's not just true here in Australia, it's true right around the world. Jeanette Benson from the University of Copenhagen has been researching global religious interests by tracking um, the growth of Google searches for prayer. She's been doing this for many, many years. And she said this recently, she said, prayer intensity has skyrocketed in the month of March, 2020. Interesting. She says, she continues that some may suggest this is just superstition, people looking for religion in uncertain times. Another way of looking at this phenomenon is that when life is easy, we don't think about deep issues. When life is tough, we are forced to ask, what matters? Why am I here? Who can help? And at those times, looking for God becomes a very significant option. But you know, it's not only in times of crisis that we see this, this, this nature to pray that is hardwired into us, but we actually see it as we look at our children as well. In an article in the New York Times magazine, writer Dana Tierney described how both she and her husband, John, had rejected their childhood faith. They had their son, Luke, baptised more just to keep their families happy, but that was it. And when Dana's husband went to Iraq as an embedded reporter, she was understandably fearful about what this might mean. But she was surprised at how calm her four-year-old Luke was in the midst of all of this. And she assumed that it was just youthful naivety, that he didn't really understand what was going on. Until one day, they were watching a TV interview with a US soldier who was about to return to Iraq and he was talking about his fears about stepping back into that war zone. And for just an instant, Dana saw Luke form his hands to pray. And when she asked him about it, Luke at first denied it. But then when she saw him do it a second time, he confessed that he had been praying. And Dana was stunned partly by Luke's faith and partly how his faith allowed him to be calm and her lack of faith caused her to be fearful in the situation. And she was also embarrassed, she said in the article, that her four-year-old son instinctively knew that praying for his dad was socially inappropriate in their context. When Dana asked Luke when he first began to believe in God, he said these words. He said, I don't know. I've just always known he exists. Isn't that incredible? Children know, don't they? They get this. It's, it's, it's hardwired into us. And, and Dana goes on to talk about how deeply impacted by this, how it deeply impacted her life and her faith journey. If you heard Joseph's um, story this morning at our service here, you would have heard him talk about how as a young boy growing up in the Hindu faith, he, he thought, well, a statue cannot talk, he said. 
And he didn't wanna take part in worshiping and praying to these gods. However, he said, I still thank God for the food that we had on our table. We see it in Sanjay's story as well. And so prayer is this rather universal thing for all of us as humans. It's hardwired into us. It's amazing when you talk to people, most people, every person has prayed at some point or another. And it has been said that to be human is to pray. And Jesus acknowledges this when he says in verse seven, he says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like, like pagans, he says. When we think of the term pagans today, we use this in several different ways. So it can be a little bit confusing. Quite often it's used to describe um, irreligious people, people who aren't, don't believe in God, people who don't follow any religion. That's often how we use this term today. But Jesus is not meaning it in this way here because Jesus is referring to these pagans, not as irreligious people, but as a group of people, he says, that are praying all the time. They keep on babbling is how he describes it. They're praying a lot, praying most, more than most people, in fact, is the, the picture we get here of these people he is talking about. These are religious people, really, that are praying a lot. And Jesus wanted to show us right up front that the real difference, the real dividing line or key issue when it comes to prayer is not so much the religious versus the irreligious. That's not really dividing line. Those who pray a lot, those who maybe only pray infrequently. No, he says the real difference is the approach to prayer, the religious, pagan religious approach to prayer versus the Christian approach to prayer. Jesus highlights the people who pray as the pagans and the people who pray our Father. And many people look at verse seven and eight and say what Jesus is talking about here is whether we should be asking God for things. When when it says, do not be like them for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him in verse eight. Some people say, well, Jesus is saying, well, you, you don't really need to pray. Prayer is not a big deal. You don't need to ask God for things. He already knows what you need. But obviously this is not the case because just a few verses later, Jesus says that we are to pray, give us this day our daily bread. So it's clearly not what Jesus is saying here, but Jesus is showing here that there are two different ways that people pray. There is the religious way to pray and there is the Christian way to pray. And this is key when it comes to prayer. Jesus is saying here, there are two different bases on which you can approach God. And he says, the religious people who pray a lot think they will be heard because of one thing. He says, but don't be like them. Go to God as your father. Go to him as your father. And Jesus Jesus is highlighting here that being religious, being busy, praying up a storm with lots of words, those things do not tell whether you really are a Christian. You have to ask the question, why do you think you're being heard? That's the key. That's the question Jesus raises here. He says, pagans think they're being heard for this reason. And Christians think they're being heard for a different reason. So what are these two different reasons? Well, I wanna look at them with you this morning because Jesus shows us here that there are fundamentally two basic ways that you go to God. And when you think about this, these are the same two basic ways that we deal with one another as well. What are these two things? Well, you can either have a business relationship with somebody or you can have a family relationship with someone. 
In a business relationship, the basis is I have something for you. That's the basis, what I have done for you. But in a family relationship, the basis is what I am to you. Very different. In a business relationship, the basis is performance. You perform for me and I perform for you. Whereas in a family relationship, the basis is a commitment, a permanent, this permanent committed relationship. I read recently the story of a, a guy who was out fishing with some of his mates who were definitely not church-going people, definitely irreligious. And when this storm came up and threatened to sink their boat, his friends, knowing that he'd had some connection with church somewhere along the line, said to him, you need to pray for us in this situation. And he said, well, but it's been a long time since I've prayed. I, I've even entered a church for a long, long time. And they said, it doesn't matter. This is serious, just start praying. And so finally, this guy cried out, he said, Lord, I haven't asked you for anything in 15 years. And if you will help us now and bring us safely to land, I promise I won't bother you again for another 15 years, I promise. <laughs> it's a funny story, but when we search our hearts, many of us view prayer exactly like this. It's like this business relationship. God, if I do this for you, then you will do this for me. Another helpful way to think about it is that generally you either live in somebody's house as a boarder or as a member of the family. If you live in a house as a boarder, then the person who owns the house is your landlord and you can have a good relationship with that landlord as long as you pay the rent and as long as you respect the property, then things can go okay. There are rules for the tenant and the landlord also has certain rules. The landlord has to do maintenance and, and, and so on. And if these two sets of rules are abided by, then you can have a pretty good relationship. But this interchange that's taking place, it's a mechanical one. Of, it's one of goods and services. It's a business relationship at its core. On the other side, you can also live at home with your parents. In that case, you're not a boarder. You're a child. And this is the other side of the spectrum. In a situation like that, you know the paradigm is different. The way the business paradigm is supposed to work is if you perform, then you'll be accepted. But the way the family paradigm is supposed to work is since you're accepted, since you're part of this family, then you should perform. Now, two very completely different paradigms two different ways of doing things. And Jesus says you can either approach God on a business basis or you can come on a family basis. While I was writing this sermon yesterday, a couple of my younger kids kept coming in and out of the office to ask me things and um, even, even to give me a hug a couple of times. And I'll be honest with you, the interruptions were not very welcome. I kept telling them, Dad really has to work on this message for tomorrow. Can you please stop coming in? But every time there'd be another knock on the door again. And um, I was, I'll be honest with you, I was getting a little bit more stressed and frustrated as this was going on. But I wanna tell you, our heavenly father is not like that. He's not like that. We know from the scriptures that our prayers are never an interruption or a burden to him. Jesus goes on in the following chapter, Matthew 7, to explain it like this. He says, ask and it will be given to you. He says, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. Isn't that, isn't that good news? Good news for us this morning. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks find, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What a promise. 
Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, I love that phrase, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And you need to know this morning that there is this pagan prayer and then there are those who pray, my Father, my Father in heaven. And Christian author Tim Chester says this. He says, you may have come across the idea that making childlike requests in prayer is basic spirituality from which we are invited to move on to more advanced prayer. But he says, we never graduate from childlike requests. Childlike requests are advanced spirituality. Placing a child among his disciples, Jesus said, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. He says, there is nothing greater than coming as a child before God the Father. This incredible picture. God is a loving Father who delights to hear us. And, and prayer is this incredible opportunity that we have been given to experience and enjoy a relationship with Him. And what Jesus is showing us up front is that we mustn't think of prayer as this task we need to perform to get in good with God and to get Him to do what we want. But rather we need to understand that if we have come to Him in repentance and faith, that He has already then accepted us. He has already adopted us as His child. He has welcomed us into the family of God and He has given us access. And it's not based on our performance or what we have done. It is this free gift gift of God's grace that we have received. And instead, prayer becomes this incredible invitation to experience and enjoy a relationship with the living God. In 1 John 3 verse one, John puts it like this. He says, behold, behold what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. You see, if we have worked hard all week and somebody gives us a paycheck at the end of that week, we don't say, behold, what a miracle. This is amazing love that's being shown to me because I've received that paycheck. We don't do that, do we? We say, of course, so I expect a paycheck because I've worked hard for it. I wanna tell you this morning that if there is no behold about your life, if when God does something for you, there's no sense of awe and praise and thanks, if you're not in that spirit of wonder, in that spirit of praise, then I wanna tell you, then you don't really know what this means. You're actually, it actually reveals that you're, you're living as a border, not as a child of God, not as a Christian. And here's why, because pagans and Christians, they both actually repent of their sins, right? The, the religious still repent of their sins. They know their sins are bad. You look across all the different religions, there is some process, they know, well, I need to calm and I need to, you know, do some actions because of the things that I have done that is wrong. They recognize that their sins are bad. Everyone does this. But the difference between the pagan and a Christian is not that they repent of their sins, but the difference is that the Christians actually repent also of their righteousness. That's the difference. Christians know that even their best deeds fall short. Whereas pagans, the religious people think, well, are my best deeds a rent? They're paying the rent. And so they expect their life to go okay. 
And when they don't, then they, they get mad, they get frustrated, they get angry with God. And this is how you can tell the difference between someone who is a child of God versus someone who is living as a border. There's no behold, there's no spirit of praise. They get upset when God doesn't give them what they think they deserve. But for the Christian, everything is a gift. Everything is just praise and we're so aware of God's grace and goodness to us. I loved it in Joseph's story today when he shared. We, you see it so clearly, in fact, in his own story. This has been Joseph's experience. He talks about the shift there was from religion to a relationship, a, sh- a shift from approaching God in this business transaction-like mentality to coming to his heavenly Father as a much-loved child, forgiven, born again. He finished with these words. Let me read them to you again. He said this, he said, now despite still having many physical challenges, well, it's not that all of Joseph's prayers have been answered by any means. Despite still having many physical challenges, everything is different, he says. I feel so light and I have seen God answer my prayers in providing accommodation for me and support for me. While I often spend hours alone at home, I am never alone. As with my phone, I listen to church, I listen to the worship songs and the messages so much that I've used up all my data. I love this bit and had to get another phone plan. And then he finishes with these words. I love worshiping my God. He is my everything, he said. He is my salvation. Do you hear it there? Do you see the difference? It's this behold, what love the Father has lavished on me that I would be called a child of God. Everything is praise for Joseph now. It's not about religion anymore. It's certainly not about a business transaction. It's about this deep personal relationship that Joseph has found with his heavenly Father he has discovered that he has been adopted as a child of the living God. And he cannot get enough, can he? Cannot get enough. And so the question for the first week of this series, the topic we're looking at and you'll be looking at in your connect groups is why pray? And it really is centered, the answer to that question is centered in taking hold of this truth. That when it comes to our prayer life, the key issue is it's actually not about how we organize our time. Often we think that's the reason, but we always find time for what really matters to us. Isn't that true? Like if we love golf, we somehow find time for golf. We love a particular episode on TV, we'll somehow find time to watch that. It's actually not about organising our time, although organising our time is helpful. We're gonna look at that in this series in terms of seeking God together. But the core issue right at the outset I want you to see is actually in how we approach God. Is it a business relationship or is it a family relationship? And if we think of prayer as primarily about a transfer of information, conveying information to God as a list of things we'd like Him to do, then prayer will be a duty. It'll be another task to be completed. But if we see prayer as an opportunity to enjoy a relationship with our gracious Heavenly Father as a way to experience more of His presence and power in our lives, this can transform our prayer life just like it did for the disciples. Pastor Matt sent out this quote with the city service um, update just, just late this week and it captures this truth so well. It says these words, it's from a Scottish um, minister and theologian, George MacDonald from the 1800s and he wrote this. He said, what if the main object in God's idea of prayer be the supplying of our great and our endless need, the need of himself? 
What if the good of all our smaller and lower needs lies in this, that they help to drive us to God? You see, this is the heart of God, the heart of prayer, to actually know God, to be in relationship with Him, to enjoy His presence. God wants us to spend time with Him more than we even wanna spend time with Him. Do you know that this morning? It's incredible. It's a mind-blowing truth that the Creator of the heavens of the earth, the Holy God, the all-knowing Almighty God would want, longs to spend time with you as His child. And it means that whenever you make the effort to approach the Lord in prayer, He is already waiting there for you with a smile. That is why he doesn't start, Jesus doesn't start the Lord's Prayer, our King, though he is our King. And he doesn't start the Lord's Prayer, our Creator, though he is our Creator, God. No, he says you have to start our Father. Because those two little words will control everything else about your relationship with God. He is showing that the fatherhood of God, your, your understanding that you're adopted as a child of God, if you've come to Him in repentance and faith, this is the very essence of what it means to be a Christian. John 1 verse 12 says, yet to all who did receive Him, receive Jesus, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. And this is what it means to be a Christian. It means that you have been adopted, you're welcomed in the family of God, that you've been given access, you've been given rights. And this morning at the start of this series, I wanna ask you, have you ever had a moment like that in your life where you have received Jesus, where you have believed on His name, where you have become a child of God, just like Joseph's story this morning? You see, 1 John 1 shows us that salvation is received, it's not achieved. That's what it says right here, to those who did receive Him. You can't earn it. You can't earn your acceptance with God. It's not a business transaction. I want you to hear that this morning. We become children of God by coming to Him in repentance and faith, by believing in Jesus, by receiving Him, placing our faith and trust in Him that He lived the life we could never live, the perfect life we could never live. He lived that for us. And He died the death that we deserved. He took our sin upon Him when He died on that cross and He rose again, as Joseph said, so that we would have new life in Him. And that moment of saying, yes, Lord Jesus, I wanna receive you. I believe in your name. That is the moment that we become children of God, not a business transaction, but a gift of God's grace. And Jesus says, this is actually the basis of true prayer. And so if you've never experienced that this morning, if you're watching online, you're here with us, I wanna encourage this morning to begin by praying that prayer, Lord Jesus. I wanna surrender my life to you. I wanna place my faith and trust in you this morning that I might become a child of God, welcomed into his family. You can do that this morning. And if you are here this morning and you're a child of God, you know this, you know you've had that moment placing your faith and trust in Jesus. Then I wanna ask you this morning as well, how is your, your prayer life at the moment? Are you falling back into a business relationship in your prayer journey, in your prayer life? Because Jesus gives us a little test here in the passage to help discern this, I believe, in verses five and six. And it's this, he says, what's your prayer life like when the door is closed and no one else is looking? He says, do you pray just for keeping up appearances before others? Because remember, he said, they've already received their reward in full, the praise 
of, of men, they've received that reward. He says, or are you meeting with God when no one else is watching, in the quiet place, seeking him, being real, honest with God, spending time with your heavenly father, longing to know more of his presence and power in your life. Because he says, this is actually the basis for prayer. This relationship with your heavenly father. And so Jesus says to us this morning at the start of this series, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven. That is how we should pray. As we close this morning, there's a prayer that I want us to pray individually and corporately this morning. I'm gonna invite the band to come back up as we close this morning. But 2,000 years ago, the disciples welcomed Jesus back from his regular time and place of prayer with one of the greatest questions of all time. They asked, they said, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And his response to that request was astonishingly generous when you look at it. He didn't make them feel small for asking that question. He didn't say, well, surely you know how to pray by now. That was not how he responded. Instead, he gave them the greatest prayer in the whole world, the greatest prayer ever. And these were men who would go on to have extraordinary prayer lives. They would intercede and would see buildings shake as they prayed together. They would see Peter, one of their fellow disciples, set free from a jail as they prayed together for him. Their prayers would heal the sick. They would pray and and receive the kind of revelations that would literally change the culture in which they lived. And most remarkably of all, they would one day find the grace within themselves to pray for their torturers at the very point of death. And these disciples would become mighty prayer warriors. But I want you to see this morning that it wasn't automatic. Their, their schooling was to begin on this particular day or a particular day with this simple, um, vulnerable request. They said, Lord, teach us to pray. That was their prayer. And of course, Jesus did. And I know that He wants to do the same for us this morning as we start out in this series. And so I wanna invite you in these moments of prayer and quietness just to make that your prayer this morning. Just say, Lord Jesus, teach me to pray. Teach me to pray. Wherever you are on the journey of faith this morning, begin there, say, Lord, would you teach me? Teach me to pray. So you bow with me in prayer. Let's just turn to Him together now. Just in the quietness as we're bowed in prayer, I wanna invite you just to make that your prayer this morning. So to say, Lord, teach me to pray this morning. And corporately for us as a church, would you pray, Lord, teach us as your people to pray in greater measure, deeper intimacy, more of your power and your presence. Just make that your prayer right now in these moments. Lord, you hear the prayers of your people this morning. You hear our heart's desire, a desire as your your church family here, Lord. Would you teach us to pray, Lord? Take us deeper in our relationship with you. And we know more of your power and presence at work in our lives and through our lives, through your church, into this community, into our city, into our world, great God. That is our prayer. And so, Lord, I pray that throughout this series that you'll lead all of us, that you'll 
continue to reveal more of yourself to us. Lord, thank you for your presence here this morning. It's been such a powerful time together. Your Holy Spirit with us, Lord, and I believe that you're gonna move in the hearts and lives of all of us as we seek you, Lord, as we come to you, because this is who you are, great God. And for any here this morning who have never had that moment of placing their faith and trust in you, Jesus, then even now in these moments of prayer, Lord, I pray that they would come to you, that they would receive you as their Saviour, that they would believe in your name, their trust and faith would be in you, Lord Jesus. If that's you this morning, you can just make that your prayer this morning, right at the start of this series, just to say that to God, to call out to Him. And He longs to welcome you into His family as His child. And so, Lord, pour out your blessing, I pray. We wanna worship you now, Lord. We wanna behold your goodness, your greatness, your love for us as your children. We pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna stand together and sing, sing of the goodness of God, His love. This is an opportunity for us, church, just to praise Him, to honour Him, to worship Him. Let's stand together and we're gonna sing, worship Him.
blessing on each and every one, Lord, as we head into this week. Thank you that you are with us, great God. Thank you that we can meet with you anytime, anywhere, and you long to meet with us as your children. So bless now, I pray. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. If you'd like prayer in any way, please do come to the front. Some of our prayer team will be here. They'd love to pray for you. Just a reminder, we're heading out to the side doors as well. God bless.